and welcome. You're listening to Diversity Matters, a podcast about raising awareness and education through thought-provoking discussion, opinions, experiences, and inspirational stories from the complex world of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Now, please welcome your host, Mike Seeley. It is estimated that 1 in 10 women and girls are affected by endometriosis. Menstrual health in general is still a taboo subject and endometriosis is largely a misunderstood and under-researched condition. My guest this week is Erica Dean. Erica is a seasoned senior event executive who has worked in the industry for almost nine years. She is a colleague at Informa Markets and works on the Sea Trade Maritime Events, a leading portfolio of B2B maritime events conferences and award schemes that has been connecting the global maritime market for over five decades. Erica joins me to share her own personal experiences. She is 29 years old and has struggled with painful periods and fatigue since the age of nine. Doctors are currently testing for endometriosis, which has been a long ongoing process for Erica. Despite her current condition, Erica has managed to lead as much a normal life as possible. She's very active outside of work, playing golf, bouldering, hiking, crocheting, and also finds time to make her own clothes. Erica, welcome and thank you for agreeing to join me on the Diversity Matters podcast show. Hi, thank you for having me. I feel um, honoured that you've asked for me to join. I really do. Well, it's great. I really want to thank you because, you know, this subject is often known as a taboo subject. It's not a subject that many people talk about. My first question to you is, can you share your personal journey with endometriosis? How did you first discover that you had it and what symptoms did you experience? Okay, so I mean, I haven't formally been diagnosed. I am awaiting test results that I actually get on Tuesday. So I will update you with that. But so yeah, I was nine when I first started my periods, which is very, very young. I remember finding out so first of all when you first start your periods it's not a color of blood it's a brown color and I thought because of this that I wasn't bleeding I thought that because I had stomach aches I was actually Mm. pooing myself and obviously at the age of nine you're very embarrassed about that so I was taking my pants and I was hiding them in the bin my mum came into the school the junior school that I was in Mm. she took me into the bathrooms and explained it to me we hadn't had the talk about puberty and stuff like that at Mm. school yet. So I was very scared. From the age of nine up until 15, I had very irregular periods. I'd say they're very heavy. I remember a time when I was upstairs in the loft and I was sat on my dad's desk chair. And I remember I bled through my pants, my pad, my clothing, my dressing gown, and it went onto the chair. And I was like, okay how do I describe this and uh, how do I say sorry to my dad about this but yeah it was all sorted but from a young age I said to my mum that it didn't feel good you know I had it was very painful we went to the doctor to what they just said oh you're young your periods will become more regular because I would go you know three months six months without a period Mm. and that's not In, you know, I, when I was eventually taught, I was told that this was a 28 day cycle. So for the fact that I was going three or six months without one, it wasn't good. Mm. So yeah, they said, you're still young. Your periods will regulate. 
oh, just take over-the-counter medication, so ibuprofen, paracetamol, and have a hot water bottle and have a bath and do walks. So I was brushed off, then went back, I think at the age of 14, still trying to push for it, and they said that I had IBS. They said that my symptoms all linked in to IBS. So I was like, "Mm, okay, fine, you know, they're the doctor, obviously I'm going to believe them. And then I was about 15 when I read in, I think it was Cosmopolitan, I read a, an article by Ellie Golden, and it was her talking about the fact that she had just been diagnosed with endometriosis, and she spoke about all of her symptoms. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. And I kept that article for such a long time thinking, mm. I'm going to take this to the doctor with me. I'm going to tell them, this is what I have. But I think because I'd been brushed off by so many doctors, I didn't do it. I didn't want them to think, oh, well, you've been researching on your own. You know, this isn't correct. So I I never did. It was a week before I turned 16. I went to the doctors and went with my mum, predominantly for contraceptive reasons. But it was for, um, uh, so I went on the pill. And then the pill was there to help regulate my periods. That was, that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to go on it. So at least then I would know because at the age of 16, you're going out with your friends, all of this, Mm. you don't want to be caught off guard, not knowing when your periods are going to start. So at least this was every 30 days, you would take a break, you take the pill for three weeks, then you'd have a week break. And in that week break, you would have, I think, I, I can't remember the term for it. It's a, it's like a break. So I was on the pill from the age of 16. Up until really, I had a, I had a small break when I went onto um, the copper coil, which is horrendous. <laughs> wouldn't personally wouldn't recommend it. Anyone else, if they want to use it, that's fine. But it was really painful having it put in, and it didn't agree with me. And then I went back to the doctors. They put me back onto the pill. So again, I was still having these thirty days, of, and then you know within that, the three weeks of the pill, and then a week period. I went to the doctors March last year in the worst pain possible, couldn't stand up, you know, hot water bottle. I felt like I'd been hit by a truck. I was like, this clearly is not how it should be. You know, Mm. I've got a friend who I remember speaking to about periods and about how painful it is. And she said, sometimes I forget that I'm having my period. (laughs) What? How is that possible? How is that possible Mm. that you can forget? I, I can't forget, especially those first two or three days. It's it's hell, it's agony, it's, and sometimes it's the before pain. Yeah. You know, you've gone through this for 20 plus years. Yeah. 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 I turned 30 this year. So yeah. I've been having periods for 20 years. So, how, just tell me a little bit of what impact has this had on your daily life, relationships, and, mm-hmm. and even mental health? And particularly that, you know, doctors have really been giving you the brush off. Yeah. Pretty much for most of this time. So, yeah. Yeah. What's the impact been on you? I mean, I think it affected me more as a teen. I never went to sleepovers as a kid, ever. Yeah. I would sometimes stay and until maybe 10 o'clock at night, and then my mum or dad would come and pick me up because I guess I'd be worried that my period would start yeah. or I'd have stomach cramps. And I think that that was relating to that. And I guess at that young age, it's such a taboo subject. Because I have gone through so much pain with it, I think I am so open with it. And Mm -hmm. I think talking from a mental health side, 
when I was young, it stopped me from doing what I wanted. I would say that when I was younger, I was quite active. I play golf. I've played that for quite a long time. And that is something that guests used to be affected. There would be days when you would feel really unwell and you would feel that people could see that you were unwell Mm -hmm. when they couldn't, you know, they couldn't see that you were unwell, but it would stop me from wanting to do things. You know, as like a 13 year old, you shouldn't be in this pain. You should be out enjoying your life with your friends, not wanting to, as soon as you finish school, come straight home and sit there and get a hot water bottle and put your comfy clothes on and not want to talk to anyone. So I think that it definitely has had an impact. But I'd say now I'm older, it's had a positive impact because I am now so open about it. I'm now, I've done so much research about it. I am, I would say, if someone tells me that they have bad periods, go see your doctor from straight away. My partner's daughter, she's eight. I'm very open with her about the fact that I have pain. And when she's older, she might go through this pain. And if she needs to speak to us, then she can speak to us. You know, she hasn't had the talk about puberty and stuff like that. And as soon as she's ready to talk about it, I will be very open because I wish that although my mum was very open about it, I think she went through the same sort of pain. And there's also, I think, you know, that generation, they just got on with it and they shouldn't have got on with it. I mean, Mm. I know I have got on with it, but now it's like, especially in the sector that I work in. It's not something that I can just brush off. If I'm in pain, it's going to affect the way I work. It's going to affect a lot of things. So the people that I work with, I think, need to be made aware of that. Yeah, which is interesting. So, you know, you've lived with this for, as you said, 20 years, and you shared how it's impacted you. In the working environment, how have you been able to cope, particularly in your your role in the events Mm. industry? What has that been like? And you know, have you managed to get the, the right levels of support needed? You know, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So my, my first job, I would say, no, I didn't get the level of support I needed. Working in events is a very fast paced, you know, you can be on site, especially my old role. I worked in registration. So, um, I would be away. I'd stay in hotels and the company would often request that if you were of the same gender that you shared a room i really struggled with that Mm. that affected my mental health that was not great so although i was there for a couple of years they didn't support me if i had a day when i wasn't great when i didn't feel very well i would ask if i could work from home however the response i always got was if you are ill you're ill right but i wasn't ill I you know I was in pain but I could still do my job but I I got that response however now and especially since COVID I would say because we can work from home I looked on our system that holds you know how many days off you've had for the year in the past six months I've had 2.5 days off ill which is amazing and that's because on those days when I feel like I am in pain or I need to have a hot water bottle on my front and on my back or I need lots of cups of tea or I just need to feel comfort. 
I can work from home. And that's such a benefit that has come from lockdown. People, the fact that companies trust that you're still going to be doing your job, although you're not having a great day. And big shout out to my line manager and big shout out to my event director because both of them are fabulous. You know, if I tell my manager, I'm having a bit of a flare up, I'm not doing very well today, I will still work. Mm. I won't come on camera if we have a video call or I might be a little bit slower with my job today. She is completely fine with it because she knows that I'm not going to take the mickey. She knows that my usual day job, I work as hard as I can. And my line manager is a man. And I have been very open with him about everything. We had a lovely conversation on our way back from the airport from one of our shows in Saudi Arabia. And I was very open with him about everything. He was fascinated when I told him that I was going to be joining your podcast today. He was thrilled. He (laughs) was really happy. Um, So again, you know, shout out to them. They are, they they know that I'm not going to take the mickey with it. But if I need that time to relax, to help my body, or if I might need to, you know, take take a little bit longer than an hour lunch break, because I might need a nap, or I might need something to just help my body relax. They are very good with that. And I think where we work, the, the company yeah. as a whole, again, is very good for that. Well, I think one of the, <clears throat> certainly one of the most important things is ensuring that you've got this level of support from managers. There's probably a lot of companies out there that wouldn't even try to understand this particular situation. But it's really kind of good to hear it our organization that we do have this level of understanding and support and you've been able to not only get help but the right adjustments that will coincide with how you're actually feeling and what your workload looks like can be adjusted accordingly which is absolutely fantastic so definitely yeah and i think people like yourself who you know you're not of the gender that gets period but you are either, I don't know, you have a mother or had a mother, you have siblings, yeah. you, um, you know, might be married to a woman, you might have someone in your life, you know, your, your colleagues are women. Everyone that you know will have gone or will mm. be going through this sort of thing. So it's so important that people are aware of it, yep. that it's not just, there's a, there's a campaign going around at the moment that says it's never just a period. So I think it stems back, like what I was saying, that you get brushed off from GPs, Mm -hmm. you get brushed off from doctors when they're just kind of thinking that you're being over the top or you are, you know, making it seem as though the pain you're going through, it isn't real. And it is, it is real. You know your own body, you know if it's not right. Well, I think certainly, you know, from your earlier comment, it is very important for for us as men to understand colleagues, whether they report into us or whether they're part of our teams, to really have greater awareness around the various health issues that affect women, you know, things like menopause, for example. And one of the things we're trying to do is to obviously increase that awareness 
And I hope there are men listening to this that will hopefully learn something from listening to uh, to your experiences um, around this. Anyway, one of the things that you mentioned was obviously you are being diagnosed and you should hopefully get your results so that you clearly know whether you do have endometriosis. You've done a lot of research. Mm-hmm, I if, have. <laughs> you know, if it's confirmed that you do have endometriosis, do you know what types of treatment options might be available um, to you? So what they're trying to do at the moment, I have so far gone on to a different hormonal contraception and they tried that to stop my periods completely. That was the worst thing ever. I bloated everywhere. I was in pain every day, not just, I mean, it stopped my periods, but I was in pain every day. I had to stop it. They then did an ultrasound of my pelvic area. They found nothing. Uh, I was then uh, referred to the gynecologist on the NHS. There was a 32-week wait. Um, So when I eventually was seen, the lady said exactly the same thing as what my GP had said. We believe this is what you have. Um, However, the the gynecologist that I saw said the only definitive way for them to uh, diagnose it was with a laparoscopy, which is where they make three small incisions in your stomach. They put gas inside of you to kind of make your abdomen area a little bit bigger and then they it's just exploratory Mm. exploratory operation so i was then put on a waiting list for this this being a two-year waiting list bear in mind a lot of women tend to only go to the gp when it's their final port of call they've tried everything Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah not not great um when i Luckily, with where we work, they added um, private healthcare. So, and that started in the new year. Mm-hmm. Very blessed that that is an option for me. So, as soon as this started, I reached out to them, and I've been seen by a gynaecologist. I told her my backstory, and when I told her that I'd been put straight forward to a laparoscopy, she was amazed that I wasn't offered like an MRI. So, an MRI was what I had last week. Mm-hmm. of my pelvic area and then that is what the results I will get on Tuesday and I guess from there if they then don't find anything it still doesn't mean that I don't have it I have read up on this that again from there they may do the laparoscopy and what the laparoscopy would be if they then when they are looking inside they do find endometrial tissue they would do an ex- excision of it the worry with endometriosis is the fact that it can attach onto different organs. Mm. Um, it can attach onto your bladder. It can attach onto your rectum. So you can have issues with going to the toilet. And it can grow anywhere, basically. Yeah. So it's scary. So I don't know how I feel about whether she says mm. that I will have it or if I, if I don't have it. I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Part of me is hoping that she says, we have found this. This is what the pain has been all this time. Because then I won't need to go through more exploring. Because it's not fun. It's something no. that's always in the back of your brain. You're always wondering what's wrong. Yeah. Why me? Why, why is it not someone else? Why can't I just be quite normal? It's scary. But there is a lot of help out there. There's one project. They have mm-hmm. actually been a charity now for a year. I think the, the celebration has re- has been this week or last week. And they're called the Menstrual Health Project. 
They are fantastic. It's run by two young women my mm-hmm. age. They are called Anna and Gab. I don't know much about Gab's uh, story, but I know Anna has endometriosis. And she, from that, it had grown into her bladder and her bowel. And she had to have um, a stoma bag. I think it's two stoma bags. Mm-hmm. But the things that they put out and they do research and they have charity events and they also have these really good PDF documents that you can download from their website. And there's one on there that's about your, I think it's your menstrual health goodie bag or something like that. And it's it's there, for specifically there for people under the age of 18. So that they can read mm. about it. They can see what symptoms are a normal period and what's not a normal period. Yeah. And that's something that I so wish was around from a younger age. Yeah. yeah. And social media, as bad as social media is, this is great because you can search endometriosis. Mm-hmm. You can search chronic illness. You can search all of these things and find out all these people that are going through the same thing. So you don't feel alone because I personally, I've got one friend who is going through treatments for this and she's quite a lot further along than what my research is or my my treatment, I guess. Mm -hmm. And she's been put on a, uh, she's been put through the menopause. So it's like six months of going through the menopause to make sure that, um, you know, that helps to try and help her to see if the operation would, would be successful. The menopause has worked very well for her. So, yeah, but with that, I only know one person in real life that's going yeah. through this sort of pain. So it's nice to be able to look and yeah, find these people that, that are real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tell me, obviously, with all the research that you've done and, you know, you're now beginning to see more or understand that more people have this. But with everything that you've been through, I mean, how worried are you that one, if it is confirmed it's endometriosis, that it could get worse and cause some of the other issues that you've you've described? How do you I can't imagine how you feel, but I'm just trying to get an understanding of whether this is something that really scares you and you're worried that that's a possibility yeah. for you? It does scare me, especially since I'd probably say the last maybe six to nine months I've been having mm. issues with my bladder. So it feels when I need to go to the toilet, it feels like a lot of pressure there. So I am very worried that it will be attached. Mm. So therefore I might have damage to my bladder. And then that's something that had I been seen earlier, had I, I guess, kind of had the confidence to maybe go to the doctor at a younger age, it might not have got that bad. Mm. But also there is no cure. For endometriosis, people can have multiple operations. They can have excision after excision and it still won't go away. Even I, I think what they say is the only way for it to completely finish is the menopause. Mm. So there are loads of myths that, that, you know, having your, having a hysterectomy will stop it. It hasn't been known to, it doesn't, mm. because the point of it is. The tissues, the endometrial tissues grow around the other parts of your body. So removing your womb isn't going to change that. 
There have been people that have been known to have endometrial tissue in their lung. It's fascinating that I find it so interesting, and especially since there isn't so much research on it. So mm. I actually have a have a, a fact. Okay. Find it. Yeah. So there is five times more research into erectile dysfunction, which affects 19% of men, than into PMS, and that affects 90% of women. Wow. That's something that I got off yeah. of the Menstrual Health Project, mm-hmm. and like like I said, their their website is full of full of fun yeah. facts like that. And of <laughs> course, that's, um, yeah, it's great. I was say one of the things that you've also you also mentioned uh, one way to kind of get through this is by going into the menopause. So you go into the menopause, and that brings a whole raft of new challenges and problems and pain that you know women face who are in menopause yeah exactly and this is what my friend is going through so she's gone through the menopause and then she's getting all the hot flushes she's getting the brain fog she's getting all of the things that then come with the menopause so it's fascinating it's a it's interesting to know that like i said there isn't that much research into it they're doing more especially since people are so more so much more vocal about the way that menstrual health affects people yeah and it's something that affects pretty much everyone it, mm. it's just yeah it's fascinating so <clears throat> tell me how you know how can friends family partners support someone who's going through what you're going through so uh, i mean huge shout out to my partner i have sent him videos i've sat down with him and i guess kind of made sure he's watched youtube videos on what it is how it affects me because in the past, I guess when I've when I've had period pains and he hasn't understood how stood how painful they are, because he doesn't understand it, he probably doesn't realise how much pain I'm in and might not realise that I am actually not very well. Mm. But hats off to him, he listens. He's great. He's a he's very supportive. He um I'm very lucky, but I think people need to take the time if your partner is telling you that they're going through this pain believe them they're not just trying to get you know an extra hug they're not just trying to get you to make them a cup of tea or for you to go out and buy them chocolate or something like that it's not that's not what they want they just they want to feel listened and often that's not something that is they're not often listened to yeah it's you know taught at a young age by your teacher when you go to this you know the puberty lesson that periods hurt it says that you are told that but it's never explained in these lessons at least it wasn't for me maybe it's different now i i don't know but maybe they are told these are the things that aren't correct yeah but yeah I, i think people just need to you know if someone says this is what i'm going through research it Research it. There's so much out there about it. Watch videos. Watch. There's little snap things. If you don't have the time, if you can't be bothered, you know, there's a two minute, two minute, three minute um, video on YouTube. Search endometriosis. There's a charity for it. What is endometriosis? It's a quick snapshot. You can read it in two minutes. Plenty of resources out there. There are so many resources out there. Yeah. Great stuff. And if there is. An individual who may suspect that 
they have endometriosis or, you know, all those symptoms, what would you advise? First of all, I'd advise maybe keeping a period journal mm-hmm. or just a journal about how you're feeling because it, it might not be that. It might be that. Mm. But what I would say is start it straight away of how you feel, you know, how your body feels. Do you ache? Are you having issues with going to the toilet? Is there anything like that that is changing? Make a note of that and then how that sits within your cycle, how often your cycle is, and then take that along with, I guess, everything of of how you feel. Take that notebook with you to the doctor. Mm. This is how I am. If that doctor tries to brush you off, don't let them, you know, say, I want for you to send me to a gynecologist. I want this. They can't stop that. It's hard. You have to be your own advocate. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there. And I'm going to say another person who's fabulous. Uh, <laughs> she is my soon to be sister in law and she is wonderful. She is called Aoife and um, her Instagram is B is for bladder. So she had Fowler syndrome or has Fowler syndrome still. Um, it has caused her that much pain that she has now had her bladder removed. So she works very hard and she works and she has worked with the NHS and she's there to help people be their own advocate. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're there to be their own advocate. If the doctor is trying to brush you off to tell you that your symptoms are not real, to tell you that the way you're feeling isn't correct, She's got great coping mechanisms. Have a look on her Instagram page. It's mm. very, it's, it's, it's similar because it's still within the pelvic area. And, you know, she still goes through that pain. She still goes through that. Sometimes you have that, she has that where you look at yourself in the mirror and she, especially since her body has changed so much now, the clothing that she's wearing has to change. Mm. For someone with endo, their body changes throughout the month. They can be really bloated one day and then they can look a little bit slimmer the next day. Mm. Like the, the thing is to, to know that there are people out there who are going through this, who have these coping mechanisms, who can show you how to dress to maybe cover your bloatness, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's the right phrase. Like there are people there. Now, obviously you, you know, having gone through this and, and coped with this for kind of most of your your life you play golf and you hike and you do yeah all kinds of things yeah um how do you manage to do all those things and i have to ask the question do you have a golf handicap <laughs> i do yeah i do i have a golf handicap um so yeah i've played golf since i was nine i think i first picked up a golf club when i was about seven wow my dad used to take my younger brother to golf on a weekend and I had to stay home and go shopping and I don't want to go shopping. <laughs> I want to go play golf. Yeah. So yeah, my handicap is 5.6. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm of an ability. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would but, say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And recently I've started bouldering, which is like indoor climbing. I've only been doing that really since the beginning of the new year, but. Staying active for me is such a big thing. I think because as a kid, as, as a younger kid, I didn't do that. Mm. I kind of let, I let my illness take over. Yeah. I let it win. Whereas now I found that if I'm moving 
I'm not good with high intensity exercise. That's something that actually makes me feel worse. Mm -hmm. But walking, playing golf, obviously, is walking. Hiking, it's great. You know, you can be out there and just scream at the top of your lungs. I'm free. It's great. It's lovely Mm -hmm. to be to be able to have that. And we live in such a beautiful country that you can do that. On we're going to Dartmoor National Park for the weekend, hiking around there. Maybe doing some outside bouldering, dependent on yeah. how I'm feeling with my ability. But yeah, I would say being active, stick into yourself, keep yourself as yourself. Don't let this rubbish thing take your personality away. Because I think people do. And sometimes when you are poorly, they also, sometimes people make that their personality. Mm-hmm. You are you. Don't let it win. You know, other people go through this stuff celebrities people that are in the public eye they also go through this ellie golden yeah um molly may she's one of the people that she came up very openly she did a youtube video about it there are people out there who try their hardest to not let them not let it stop you sometimes it's hard it has to stop you sometimes there are days when you physically you hurt so bad that it, it does win but Try and, you know, even on those days, try and do some mini wins. Make sure you have a shower. Or if you can't be bothered with that, have a nice bath. Helps with the pain. And you also still get having a wash, you know, go sit in the, in the sun for 20 minutes in your garden. Or if you don't have a garden, you know, go, if you, if you're in a flat, just, just walk down the stairs, stand outside for 10 minutes and come back up. You've still got out. You still had fresh air. It's a mini win. It's something to be grateful for. And then hopefully the pain the next day is fine and you can go for a walk or you can right. go back to work. So it sounds like you do a lot of your activity. Sounds like it's outdoor. You like, you like, to oh, be I love it. Outdoors. Yeah. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's great. And obviously it sounds like it helps as well, even it, kind of your does. mental state and, you know, taking yeah. your mind off of, of, of what you have to go through. Yeah, I I think your mental state is very important. I know a lot of how you feel sometimes does come from your brain. So if you are feeling unwell and you, in a way, kind of let yourself feel unwell, it doesn't help matters. Yeah. But like I said, sometimes you can't help that. Sometimes Mm -hmm. your your body wins. Sometimes your brain can't can't overdo it. But then you know, sit on the sofa, hot water bottle, good film. My go-to film is Matilda. So if I send a picture of Matilda on the telly, my partner knows it's bad. Right. Um, I mean, my parents both know that Matilda is my go-to film as well. So, and yeah, have that comfort. Mm. I've got this big teddy bear that I got when I was seven from my younger brother. And that, he's called Bulldog. He's fabulous. (laughs) But when I'm not well, I use him for comfort because that's something that, you know you need you need that to Mm. to kind of sit into that illness to allow it to kind of do its work and then move on the next day and it's a different day yeah brilliant um we we are coming up to the end of the show but i just want to know if you have anything else you would like to share or you know particularly for listeners who are listening to what is an inspiring story from yourself sharing what i would say is very personal experiences but i think will help a lot of people i just wonder yeah, if there's anything that's... else you would, would like to add i just hope 
the the fact that I have come on here and I've very openly spoken about mm. this, that I hope that it helps people. Because I think when I was younger, like I said, reading the magazine from Eddie Golden was great. But, you know, she's not a real person. She's a celebrity. Mm. You know, it's like it could have been fabricated. It could yeah. have been um, something that the editors of the magazine might have put there. But, you know, I'm a real person. I work from 8.30 till 5 every day, um, you know, Monday to Friday. I have a have a social life. I have a great family life. I have great friends. I, but I still go through this. Mm. But I also hope that when people see me, they don't see that. I hope they don't see that when I'm having a day of pain, they don't see that. So, yeah. But I think something to give to others, I guess, is reach out talk about it it's not a taboo subject i don't know why it's a taboo subject because everyone goes through it Mm. everyone knows someone who is going through the menstrual cycle it happens you know everyone was born their mothers would have gone through this it fascinates me that it's such a subject that isn't taught to men and women in schools it's only taught to, to the girls in the class why Guys need to know, you know, they might have, they might have daughters. They need to teach their daughters yeah. how to put on a sanitary pad. The mother might not be there. Mm. There are a lot of families that, unfortunately, there are, you know, single households with just fathers. They need to know how to do this. They, they need to know what's right, what's wrong, yeah. all of these things. So just research, research it. Fantastic. There are so many things out there to just, just research. Thank you. Erica, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and talking about, you know, what is a very difficult subject to talk about, but I think it helps to reduce the stigma and the taboo that people have. Um, I really hope that you get some good results next week and, you know, you're able to get the appropriate treatment that will help you even further. I do wish you every success with everything that you're doing and particularly with, with this condition. Yeah, absolutely fantastic to have you on and, and share your story. And I'm pretty certain that it will resonate with a lot of women and hopefully men too. The reason why this is a too taboo subject is because women don't really want to talk about this. Um, but, but if there is somebody who is doesn't want to talk about it because they may feel that they may be judged or may be treated differently or they feel that they have nobody to actually talk to, how can they get through that feeling that, that you know, what they're actually going through at that point to try and get some support or help? I mean, they're not alone. They are, they are not alone. I can categorically mm. tell them that. And I mean, it, there are, um, maybe reach out to people on social media. Mm. Social media, you, you, you can kind of hide from that. People don't know you in real life. If, if yeah. you were to ask someone a question, they responded, you didn't like their response. You can just leave it. But, um, Instagram groups have had, Instagram lives and they've mm. had uh, gynecologists come on to explain things to you 
you can just watch that. Mm. You don't need to comment on it. You can just learn about it. And I, I know it's a, I know it's taboo. And I guess in different cultures as well, it might also be taboo, mm. but it affects any race. It affects, yeah. it doesn't matter. And I know in personally, I'm very happy to talk about it. There might be other people that aren't. I can send them information, just, just, um, documents on it. That's fine. Great. Well, thank you for that. And obviously, if you do have those links, I'll be more than happy to put them on my show notes so that listeners can get access to it. But Erica, thank you so much for joining me on Diversity Matters. And as I've mentioned before, good luck with everything. And I wish you all the best. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Bye for now. You're listening to Diversity Matters, the podcast. Remember to go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Well, that was a very emotional and courageous discussion with Erica. She shared her personal journey with symptoms related to endometriosis, highlighting its significant impact on daily life, relationships, and mental health. At the time of the recording, she was waiting for results from recent tests which may provide a concluding diagnosis of her condition. But here are my takeaways from our discussion. Support from managers in the workplace. Erica emphasized the important and crucial support she receives from her manager and colleagues within the workplace. Compassionate workplaces can make a difference in managing endometriosis effectively. Diagnosis and treatment. The condition poses challenges affecting various aspects of well-being. Early diagnosis is crucial for managing endometriosis. Understanding the treatment options available is also very essential. Coping mechanisms and mental well-being. Erica highlighted the significance of staying active and finding coping mechanisms. These strategies can help alleviate symptoms and improve mental well-being. And open conversations. Erica encourages open conversations about menstrual health. Reducing stigma and providing support are essential for those who may feel alone. Remember, awareness and empathy play a vital role in supporting individuals dealing with endometriosis. Thank you very much for listening. listening to this episode of diversity matters if you liked what you heard then be sure to hit like and subscribe and we'll see you next time